Guys, when's the last time you lost something? Think about it for just a second. When is the last time you lost something that had a measure of importance to you? Now, I have a wallet, and I've got this little wallet right here in my pocket, and I lost it a few months ago, and I got a call from a police officer because it had been found on the curb in a neighborhood in Ackworth. I don't even know how it got there. But I had to show up. I had to show my identification. Well, I couldn't show my identification. I had to prove that I was who my identification said I was, right? And I had to pick it up uh, and go to the station, and, and I had lost it, and it was important to me. How many of you ever lose your keys? Of course. Everybody's hand should, should be raised here at some point in time. My favorite, my favorite way of losing my keys is when I lose my keys, and then I'm 100% certain that my wife lost the keys. And I'll ask her, "Where, honey, we have a drawer that we put the keys in. <laughs> they, we, we do this every time. Where do you know? Oh, oh, never mind. Here they are in my pocket. And they're literally in my pocket, but I was so sure that she had moved them, right? Well, we lose things. Our young ones, you guys lose things. Favorite Hot Wheels car? Ever lose your favorite toy? Ever, ever lose a Lego character or a Lego guy or a My Little Pony? Of course you do. And then who else, get, who else lose something in this exchange? Mom and Dad do. They lose their mind trying to find said toy for you before bedtime because you've got to sleep with that little thing that you cannot find. Does it sound like I'm venting this morning? I'm not, I promise. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, with our kids in tow in service today, the reality is this, that while we all laugh about things that we've lost, the truth is that many of us get lost in regards to who we are, we lose ourselves. We lose the way. And the scriptures that we're going to refer to is in Luke chapter 15 is about a series of things that get lost. And Jesus himself is telling three parables about things that, that get lost. The first thing that gets lost is a, is a coin. It's a lost coin. And, and then there's a sheep that gets lost. And Jesus reminds us of the kind of God that we serve, that he would leave the 99 sheep, that he would go find the one sheep that's lost, that's alone, that's hurting. And in the last parable of the series of three, he tells a story not of a thing, not of an animal, but of an actual person. A lost son, a, a lost child, a wayward son or daughter. And all of us can relate on some level. And theologians describe this parable as the crown jewel of the New Testament. Meaning, if there's anything that you're going to understand and that you need to wrap your head around, if you want to understand the gospel, it's this. It's Luke chapter 15. So guys, let's turn there this morning as my iPad freezes up and doesn't turn where it needs to turn. There we go. Luke chapter 15. You guys ready? <laughs> uh-huh. God be with us today. Lord, as we look forward to snow cones and water slides and eating hot dogs and having fun, I also pray that you'd speak to us even in the few minutes that we have. God, help us today to grow and to become more like you. Amen. 
Luke 15, verse 11, Jesus continues. He says, there's a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, I don't expect you to understand the full context, but the, the moment here is the height of offense to a Jewish culture. Because by asking your dad for your inheritance... You were basically saying, Dad, I wish you were just gone, not even alive anymore, so that I could just get your money. That's kind of hurtful, isn't it? That's a mean thing to say to mom and dad, isn't it? I wish you weren't even here anymore. I just want your money. And yet, even at the very beginning of this story, we see the kind of God that we serve because he doesn't answer in anger. He doesn't answer in rebuke in this moment. He answers his young son with tremendous patience and tremendous kindness. And he gives him his inheritance. And what does the son do? It says that he gathers everything that he's got. Our kids are going to be participating this morning because that's how they do. They gather all their stuff up. He packs his bags and he leaves for a distant country. And what is it that he does? He, 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 he spends all of his money in wild living. Now, I don't want to embarrass all the moms and dads in here on who's lived a wild and crazy life, right? But it doesn't matter the magnitude of the life that you lived or not lived. The point of this is that every single person has something inside of them that wants to do things their own way. Dad, our Father in heaven has a way and a manner in which we are to have relationship with him. And most, well not most, every single one of us bucks at that. And that's called sin. Where we are convinced that our way is better than his way. And the Bible refers to this giant thing with three letters called sin. The heart of the gospel. Now, I, I will tell you, when I was a kid, I did a lot of knuckleheaded things. I didn't do exactly this, per se. But every child understands what it is to be wild. You do not have to teach a child to be wild or to be crazy. Just a few moments ago, before church started, there was like 47 kids running around this room, right? And just, just the spontaneity of it, it's just crazy. It's wild. That's what kids do. I remember the first BB gun that I ever got, and I realized the time that we live in is a little bit different. I don't know if people still give their kids BB guns anymore, but my dad got me a BB gun, right? And I lived, I had this awesome backyard, and I cocked that thing back, and I would have, my best friend would come over. At the time, his name was Matt, and we'd set up our action figures, muscle men, G.I. Joes, little parachute guys, and we would just, you know, we would target practice. To see who could have the best aim. And we would shoot. And it was, it was game time. And then things got a little bit better when I found my dad's, his, his, his hunting protective eyewear in the garage. And we thought, you know what we could do? We could put some goggles on and shoot each other with BB guns. <laughs> so that's what we did. Put some eyeglasses on and we went to work. And so around the neighborhood, 
I lived in a neighborhood where construction was happening all the time. And, you know, there were new, new houses being built. And, and so there were, there were dump trucks parked on the curb and on the side of the road. Because that's what you, you know, when you, if you go to a new subdivision, a lot of equipment is left out overnight and they come back to it each day. Well, we've got our BB guns. And it's, I mean, it's war in our neighborhood. You got good guys and you got bad guys. And a dump truck looks a lot like a battle tank when you're pretending as a young boy. And so we got, our, we, got our, we got our goggles on. You know, we're scoping out enemies. We've got the enemy tank that's literally parked. It's, it's aiming at us. I mean, what, what do we, we have to protect ourselves here. And so I line up my BB gun at the driver's side window of this dump truck, and I pulled that trigger. Bam. And the glass that exploded out of that window was it was like somebody had lit TNT inside this truck. The glass just exploded, all right? Now, here's what two boys with BB guns do in a moment like that. You're shocked, and then you do one thing. You run. You run as fast as you can, as hard as you can, to get away from the scene of the crime. Unfortunately for me, although um, I guess maybe now fortunately for me, there was a neighbor who happened to be looking out his dining room window, and he saw the whole thing. And he took the phone off the wall, and he called Rick King, Andy's dad. And so by the time I got home, my parents already knew that I had just blown the window out of a dump truck. Now, I say that, I have lots of stories of me being wild, me being crazy. Now, whether that's accidental, whether that was intentional, whether that was me being rebellious, that isn't even really the heart of the issue here. The truth is that all of us can relate on some level to a moment of living wild and crazy, a year, a lifetime even, Right where you know the right thing to do, but instead you're choosing a different way. Whether you're going into first or second grade, you're going to have choices in front of you where you can choose to do what's right or you can choose to do what's wrong. Whether you're going into middle school, whether you're going into high school, whether you're going off to college or returning to college, or whether or not, you, it doesn't matter where you work, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, all of us are presented time and time and time and time and time again to choose what's right or to choose what's wrong. Luke chapter 15, verse 14. After the son had spent everything, he spent every dollar that he had. There was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He, forgot, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Have you ever been to a pig farm? If you ever go to a pig farm for fun, or maybe you've got a family member that owns one, or maybe on some weird field trip that you go to a pig farm. When I tell you that a pig farm stinks, I, I can't even begin to tell you how bad a pig farm smells. 
the smell of pigs. I mean, it's, it's nauseating until you actually get used to the smell. And you will. You get acclimated to it. But it's, 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 it steals your breath away. Messing around with pigs on a pig farm is filthy, detestable work. And in this story, what we're seeing here, if you're trying to get a little theology in this moment, is that for a Jewish person, for, for him to spend time at a pig farm was the lowest of lows because pigs were considered unclean spiritually unclean this made him unclean before god even right and so we, sh we it shows the level of 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 desperation that this young man has he is desperate for food he is desperate for somebody to give him a handout he could have stayed at home with dad as a son right but instead he squanders everything that he has and is now at a desperate, desperate place. And Jesus wants us to understand we are to see in this parable ourselves. This is what sin does to us, doesn't it? It leaves us in a place of being destitute and of being desperate. And I'll say it like this. Sin always promises more than it gives. It takes you further than you want to go. And it leaves you worse off than you were before. That's what sin does to you. It's like you had this great life, but sin came along and you gave into it, and now you're eating slop from a pigsty. That's what sin's like. Nasty, isn't it? Just nasty. Everybody say, nasty. Nasty. That's what sin is. Sin is stank nasty, okay? You don't want it. And yet our heart, there is not a person alive that isn't drawn to it. We are convinced that our way is better than our Heavenly Father's way. And every child is convinced that their way is better than their earthly mother or father's way. There is something that does not have to be taught to us. The pride of life where we are convinced that our way is better and god is reminding us in the prodigal son that that's not the case that the love of our heavenly father is the greatest gift that we could ever experience when the young man came to his senses in verse 17 he said to himself how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here i am starving to death i'll sit out and go back to my father and say to him father i have sinned against heaven and against you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants, please. So the son comes to his senses and he returns home. Or he thinks to himself, I'll return home. And what he's going to do is he's going to hire himself out as a servant in his own house. But what happens? In verse 20, he gets up. And he goes to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his, uh, but the, but the father said to his servants, Quick, 
Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. So they began to celebrate. Church, whether you're five years old sitting in here this morning, 55 or 75, 85, I don't care. 95 coming from the front row. I want you to hear the heart of the gospel here. I, I know when I go to church, I want to be impressed a lot of times. Right? Impressed isn't the right word. I want, I want to hear new information. I want to know new things. I want a message to wow me and blow my socks off. But I want you to hear this. The gospel, Jesus makes it so clear. The gospel itself is a simple, simple simple message and that's simply this that we were lost and that we can be found the gospel message is this that while all of us have a tendency to wander and to run and to and to do away with God's way the message is still the same that God is always inviting you back and welcoming you back. You are never too lost to be found. You are never too broken to be made right. Things are never so bad that God can't turn it around. The gospel message reminds us that we serve a God, a heavenly Father who loves us unconditionally and that forgives us every single time we blow it. Do you know that? Five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, guess what? Your mommy and daddy love you more than you will ever know. I was sitting in my garage and my neighbor came and they said, hey, preach. That's my nickname in my neighborhood. What's up, preach? What's going to be the message tomorrow? We invited them here. They're not here this morning, but we invited them. They never heard the prodigal son story, Luke 15. So I'm literally just talking a couple minutes and Caroline, my daughter, comes out in the garage and I said, here's the story. Here is the message for Sunday that my church is going to hear, that the children are going to hear, that moms and dads and young professionals and 20-year-olds and 80-year-olds are going to hear and need to be reminded of. That this child of mine I love, but this child of mine is also going to blow it. I know it. I don't like it. I wish that wasn't the case, but she is. So is my son, all of my kids. But you know what? It doesn't change the fact, it doesn't matter what they do, they will always have a daddy who loves them. Always, without a shadow of a doubt. No questions asked. Daddy has unconditional love for his kids, for his sons, and for his daughters. And the message for you and I is the same. It doesn't matter how much you've screwed up. You always have a father in heaven who loves you and who is inviting you back home in relationship with him. That is the heart of the gospel. And the way this happened is that God sent his son for you and I, and he took the punishment for our sin. He took it upon himself on the cross 
when he died for you and I and he rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death, that we might have a relationship made right with our perfect and holy and heavenly Father who loved us so much that he sent Jesus on our behalf. So wherever you are today, it's a simple message. But it needs to be heard. You are never too lost to be found. You are never too broken that God can't make it right. And it doesn't matter how much you've screwed up and how much you're going to screw up. You have a Father in heaven who loves you and who is inviting you to have relationship with Him at home. Amen? We're going to pray. Children, you need to remember you need to remember this. Moms and dads, you need to remember this. Friends, remind yourselves of this. We are hard on ourselves, aren't we? We condemn ourselves as moms and dads. We're so hard on ourselves. And you need to be reminded that God loves you the same way that you love your kids with an everlasting love. And that will never change no matter what. Father, we thank you and we love you. We thank you that you're a good daddy. We thank you that you sent your son for us. He took the punishment for our sin. God, it's hard to even believe. It's hard to fathom. But Lord, we thank you that you did it. We thank you for this story. The picture of a good father, a merciful, kind, and loving father who was so excited to see his son return, who put the ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and the robe on his shoulders because his son was dead, but he was now alive again. And he was lost, but now he's found. Lord, I thank you that we are never too lost to be found. Thank you for loving us. In the name of Jesus.